Welcome to the D-Pod, episode 6, Can of Worms. I'm your host, Matthew. And I'm your host, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a film, a movie. Let's not call it a film, let's call it a movie. I mean, you don't know yet. Do you know anything about Can of Worms? No. Okay. Okay. I Hold think on. Before I we jump just... into it, okay. first, thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the first five pods. We're, again, excited that we have people actually listening to this instead of just us talking for us. But we would have done it anyway. We're still going to keep talking. Yeah, but um, Even if thank you, don't you listen. to anyone who listens. So you That's might as really well cool. listen. Okay. I remember being at a library once, and we were like looking through the books we were allowed to get, because I think they're like certain ones. Okay. And a, one of the people next to me, a girl I knew, was looking at the can of worms trying to get it, and on the cover was, I think, from the movie Can of Worms, because it was based off a book okay. called Can of Worms. What did you see on this cover? kid and a worm. A kid and a worm? He is like holding the worm. What kind of worm? The wormy kind? Okay. Wait, what do you mean? It was like... Just like an earthworm? Yeah. Okay. What? I don't think. That might not be related to this movie. Oh, okay. That's certainly not what the movie cover is. Well, yeah, I think they maybe made them different. Sure. So that's all you know about this film, is one memory that you think may be related to it from a book. I don't think it's very going to be very good. Wow. Um, I don't know. I don't see a lot of people talking about it and such. And I was on I was on a person's um like thing the other day. <laughs> their, their thing? I can't remember what social media it was. Okay, sure. I was on a person's social media platform of forgotten thing and they're mentioned and this is another person who's watching decoms and they mentioned that their least favorite one was can of worms so. their least favorite that's a that's a ringing recommendation they like <laughs> you lucky dog more than this film yeah ouch yeah i mean i don't think i mean not to jinx it i don't think i'm gonna dislike anything as much as i dislike you lucky dog in the sense that watching the film, like sitting down and watching it, I felt I had wasted my life. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like people say that's an hour and never go back. But that was genuinely an hour and a half of time I'm never gonna use again. What do you mean? We talk about two scenes from that movie at other times since then. Actually, that's a bad movie. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna try to defend it. You know, watching the scenes of Kurt Cameron acting like a dog. Aged me. That is time to literally never get back. Yeah. None of us. Collectively as a society, we have lost that. In a society. We do live in a society. Okay. Can of Worms is an interesting film in DCOM history. Because it premiered, just like every other DCOM, and then I honestly don't remember seeing it for about 8 to 10 years. Yeah, that's a big thing with DCOMs, because I've seen a lot that are older, because they just replayed a lot. Right. And that's how you see ones you, like, you miss. Like, I remember, like, one mom would be telling me to go, and I'm like, I want to watch the new Sunny with a chance. And, but, because <laughs> that came on at nine. Right. Horrendously after my bedtime, I couldn't see it, so I had to get up in the morning and watch it then. Remember when I went to sleep at nine? Sure, when you were a good child. When will my sleep pattern return from the war? <laughs> we're moving past that continue <laughs> <laughs> um anyways but the point is watching having it replay is a big part of how you would watch something sure just it being like on 
that sounds kind of stupid, but like there's a lot of these movies, so having it play at a certain time really can. Right. Did I love Brink the first time I watched it? I honestly don't Probably, remember. Yes. I assume I did, but I certainly loved it somewhere around time eight when I was excited to watch Brink for the eighth time. And Can of Worms, I never got that chance because I honestly don't think they ever replayed it. Like, which isn't a great sign. It's not, but I don't think it had a, like a dramatically worse premiere number and I don't like remember there being an outpouring of hate it just kind of they didn't play it it just didn't make an impact and then when it came back actually before I even tell you that every episode I show Mary the movie poster oh yes this is like one of my favorite parts now listener if you're not driving or say at work in a place where you can't pull out your phone I would advise you to right now go just google uh, you know can of Worms movie and find this movie poster image. Because Mary's going to react. Well, she's probably just not going to react. Okay, so here we go. I'm revealing to her. Game's so tight. What is this one? Three, two, one. <laughs> Mary knew nothing about the snow, but I think she knows more now. I don't think I do. Why is there a tire? Why is there a tire? That's a great question. Um, that, the tire is really the thing you're, that stands out <laughs> to you on this poster? Uh, it's what first, like, my eye decided to focus on, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Just, um, why? See, there's a giant space worm. Right. Um, but behind it is a tire, and I'm like, why? Because, like, space worm, fine, but right. why is there a giant tire? Um, but why is there a giant space worm? Why is it ugly? Who are those people at the bottom? I mean, it's a decom. We can assume those are our protagonists. Oh, yeah. Now, it looks like they have to save the world according to the tagline. That's right. Our tagline here is, who has time to be a teenager when you have to save the world? And for some reason, they bolded the first letter of each word and nothing else, which is an It's a really odd look. Everything's in caps, but the first letters are, are bolded. It's a decision. So Mary, can you now guess what genre of film this is? Sci-fi? It is like a sci-fi film. Okay, that's not the book I was uh I know it That's why when you said there's a worm in the front, I'm like, is it a space worm? <laughs> and you're like, it's a normal worm. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is it. That was, I think that's called a can of worms. No, wait, okay. maybe it's about eating worms. I oh, think because I remember being grossed out about it, it was like how to eat worms or something uh, like that. How to eat fried worms. Is a yes, famous. that's the book I was thinking yeah. of. There's also a movie for that. This is not that. Yeah, okay. As so, I was being confused by the worm films. Sure, too many worm films. Well, two. I said two, what I too said. Many. <laughs> so, also, I'll go ahead. I don't want to give you too much away. More than the movie poster has already given away. Uh, there's some space worms. You were correct about that, I believe. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's from space. Unless I'm completely misremembering what film this is. Well, it's either from space or it's made in a lab. So this film premiered in April. But when they replay started replaying it again, like again, like once after eight years, and then took it back into the vault. This is the only decom that has a Disney vault. I think it played during like uh, whatever they were doing for October that year, like Spooktober or Monstober, because I think it has a kind of like a spooky. It might even. Uh, we're really getting granular here, but I feel like there might be a Halloween party in this movie. Ooh. And so, like. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I don't know why you did that either. I guess you're just like. Hallow- Halloween parties make you hungry? 
I wanted to comment, but I had nothing to say. <laughs> so you just made that sound. Okay. Yeah. So, I think Get of Worms is like a spooky space movie. Mm -hmm. That they weirdly premiered in April, and then were like, let's not talk nah. about it for seven years or something. Yeah. So, Can of Worms came out in April 1999. Which sounds like a long time ago. Because I'm looking at the culture of the time our researchers have given us, and recently Futurama had premiered, which feels like forever ago. That's like a long-running show that has also been off the air for a long time. And Reese Witherspoon was starring in Election. I've never seen these movies, so I have nothing to say. Okay. I've heard of Never Been Kissed. I've heard of Futurama, I've never seen it. Oh yes, and Drew Barrymore went back to school and Never Been Kissed. Have you heard of the hit song No Scrubs by TLC? Oh, hell yeah. That was number one in the US. As it should be. Are you going to sing this week? I'm not. <laughs> Aren't you though? No, because you're going to put it in the podcast, and I don't want that. What if I didn't put it on the podcast? Then I'd probably sing. Okay, same. I won't put it on the I podcast. I don't trust you for a second. I don't trust you at all. <laughs> I don't trust you with my... I kind of trust you with my life, but I don't trust you with myself. <laughs> with you, with you, like, embarrassing Honesty me. and audio recording. Yes, I don't trust you not lie to me at all. Like, I think you lie to me a lot. No, wait, that's not that. <laughs> okay. Okay, and also, delightfully, Super Smash Brothers was first available uh, in North America. So why do we have nothing to say about Kano Worms? So we're like, hey, you don't know Scrubs. I think, this has been a learning experience. <laughs> you saw that movie poster, and you're changed. <laughs> so yes, Kano Worms is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. You can watch along with us. We're going to go watch this movie now. And when... What do you think you're going to get it out of 10? Oh, oh, that's a great call. Um, what do you think you're going to give it out of 10? I don't want to bias you. Uh, so I may have already. Six. I six. think, because five's like average, no impact, and I feel, in my personal rating system, I feel like five is like an average film, and you can go up or down from there. That's how I personally try and rate these films. Right. Um, so I think it might give me like a little charm above that. So okay. like. But then again, the last movie I saw was going to get a six was You Lucky Dog, which did not get a six. I also think, like, yeah, five could kind of be, if we're assuming five is an average film, I'm going to give this a 4.5 is my projection. Ooh. <laughs> they, they, put it, they didn't air it for eight years, and then they probably aired it like twice and like never brought back Do you remember again. the film, like, at all? I remember there were aliens. Ooh, are they not very good effects? I mean, you saw all of the aliens. I think. <laughs> like, I thought it was like look a little better in the movie. I don't. I remember this film being very weird, and mm. I don't have any like positive vibes towards it. And I had vague um, positive vibes towards you, Lucky Dog. Ah, uh, that's that's rough. I like, um, there we'll was, see though. <laughs> that's rough. That's rough. Buddy. I meant rough, like rough. <laughs> okay, so yes, you're projecting a six. I'm projecting a four point five. <laughs> our confidence level is high. <laughs> We're gonna watch the movie now. Stay tuned for our reactions. We out. We out. We back. <sighs> well. Say we back. We back. Mary, did you love that film?
I don't know how to quantify what I just watched into words, but no. That's a strange, that's a strange thing. Movie? We'll call it, it's a movie. <laughs> it made me tired. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's go big picture first. So this film did not work for us. Uh, let's, let's try to be a little positive here at the jump, and then we can just trudge through everything else. <laughs> We took a lot of notes. You took notes, which you usually don't do. Most of the time we've been doing it, I've been taking the notes. And, like, if you have something you really wanted to remember, you take notes. But for some reason, you didn't take any. And you were That's taking... That's because I know everything that happened at Brick without notes. <laughs> and you were taking a lot of notes. There was a lot to say. Let's talk about some, just some things that worked. I felt like I liked the dynamic between Mike and Caitlin. Those are the main boy and the main girl. Yeah. And in general, the scenes that only had the kids, I thought were fine. Yeah. Well, like, there's a scene with main guy, Mike, Mike Pillsbury. Mike Pillsbury. No one calls him Doughboy to our This whole it's movie, I'm like, is the villain going to call him Doughboy? The villain keeps calling him Pillsbury, like, by his last name. And it's like, just call him Doughboy, I swear. The aliens call him the Pillsbury. Call him the Doughboy. <laughs> I don't Killing know if there's like some copyright crap, but I do not Get care. past it. I, you're Disney, come on. Just have them come Doughboy in a mean way. What a waste. <laughs> Anyways, This Mike film is a wasted opportunity. I don't know. Um, where he's like talking to his sister, and that seems like fine or whatever. But any scene with the kids and like the parents is terrible. Any scene with the parents is like bad anyway. And the stuff with the aliens. This film has aliens. Is bad. The aliens are bad. I wrote really that note. Bad. I have like four separate notes that are just like, the aliens are notes, bad. I was like, I'd be like, hey, I'm kind of getting into this film again, and then like literally a minute later, an alien would show up, and I'm like, oh, right, that's why I don't like it. Okay, so I think we've covered everything we like. Okay, I feel like the best way to quantify our first experience of the film, the opening, I feel really set the tone, as in why was our general tone. So we start in media res, right in the middle of the story where he's sending a, he's talking to the fellow citizens of the galaxy. <laughs> uh, it was a terrible intro. Like, it's, it was it's really cringy bad. from the jump, and he was in, like, a tuxedo, and this is later explained, but it just looks like... But from the get-go, he just seemed like one of those guys in high school who just, like, wears formal wear, and you're like, dude. And tries to talk to aliens, and this is not a good jump. And he's actually totally kind of that guy, but he's, like, a, he's the best version of that guy. He's, like, actually nice, and... He's not anywhere close to cool, but he's, like... It's really not. He's, like, kind yeah. and stuff. He's not, like, me or anything or jerkish or standoff. The opening is, like, objectively, like, bad. We just started laughing right off the gate. It's one of the worst scenes in the movie, and they decided to show it to us twice. <laughs> in full. Without cuts. Um, so it just opens up. It's, like, this storm, this one kid in a tuxedo. Also, we couldn't tell if he was, like, an adult or not in the first scene. This becomes more clear later on. But in the game, it was kind of rough deciding <laughs> this is just like an adult character. Anyway, so he's trying, he's sending, he's writing this letter to citizens of the galaxy to take him from his planet because he thinks he's an alien. He sends this message, it get his little, um, satellite dish. his satellite dish gets hit by lightning and then it's like two weeks earlier <laughs> and this is a bad place to start. It's not like, it's not like, it's not thematically good, it's a it's, bad scene. It's not a well done scene. 
It's not thematically relevant. It's not really a grabber. I'm not like, ooh, why was that guy talking to the citizens of the galaxy? Like, and let me be clear, there's no particular reason he has before that scene to actually think aliens are real. It's not like, it's like, why is he talking to aliens? And they go back to explain why he knows aliens are real. They go back to show why he would want to leave Earth. Yeah, but you could have just started at the beginning. Like, this would have been a better movie if they just started at the jump. Like, yeah. They're not, like, good or anything. No, the rest of the movie still exists. Okay, so after that interesting opening, we then cut to our main character, Mike, and he's telling a story to a young child. This... (laughs) (laughs) This This is a podcast of pauses where we try to get our heads around the thing we saw. Okay, so here's the thing about Mike's story. He's telling this story... Badly. He doesn't have, like, charisma or, like, is saying it particularly well. Yes. And then later in this plot, his stories will be brought up multiple times as, like, his famous thing. And number one, he never tells a story besides that one time. And number two, he did it badly. He did it badly. There's, like, a kid gripped by it, but it... My note for the story was that this story is bad. It's just <laughs> bad. And... And that's before we knew that was his big thing, but, like, not really, though. It comes up a couple times that, like, oh, he tells these stories, and, like, it seems like the people in plot are moved by them, but it's unclear why. Also, later we'll get to this. Apparently the story is real, but we have no way to know why he knows that. Or at least the alien from his story is real. I don't know. It's dumb. There's a lot of sign in this podcast. Get ready. Size the podcast. Okay. Uh, I was excited for a brief moment because the kid from under the geeky kid from Under Wraps is back. King, I do not remember the Under Wraps character's name, but like Malcolm. I have no idea. I don't know. We stand. But also from Gilmore Girls. He's again a geeky sidekick, but this time he's actually the cooler one. Yeah, good for him. He was Gilbert in Under Wraps. So this guy is telling his story to this like child who's very enthralled by it, and then like while he's telling the story. Mike, like, pauses and is, like, the alien, he feels alone and, like, there's no one that understands him and no one can even try to. And the music has changed. It has. It's, like, that classic sad 90s music with, like, I I can't do music, so I don't know why I tried. But, like, you know, if you've seen a product, like, if you've seen Full House, whenever the girls got sad because, like, they smoked weed or, like, they, their boyfriend broke up with them. <laughs> like, whenever that happened, then they got sad. It was, like, that music. It's the heartfelt emotional moment music. Yeah. But it's, like, this guy clearly... And it was a tone shift. It came out of nowhere. He's suddenly hardcore lane his alien. And, um, it's weird. It's very stating your theme on... The game. The, like, very inside. Very on the nose. It's, like... Let's tell allegorical story where it's clearly just the main character made this story that's about them. This is the, I mean, I guess the second scene of the movie, but the first chronologically. And it's like, okay. And then they spend an amount of time showing us that exact thing. But it's like, well, if you're just going to tell us at the beginning, then you don't need... Yeah. I don't... Why was this film like this? I want to know. So then we go into, I guess, Mike's life. Oh, actually, I have one more note about this kid's story. Okay. It's just the Superman origin story. Oh, yeah. It's just like, planet gets attacked, they put a baby off, he gets dropped down to Earth, but he never quite can fit in. Yeah, it's just... And people are like, he's got this great story. And besides the fact that he's telling it badly, it's (laughs) one of the most famous 
comic book aliens. It's one of the most famous alien stories in the world. It's one of the most famous comic book stories in the it's world. It's one of the most famous stories in the world. Just period. Like, comic- how could this kid just be going around being like, I have this alien comic book story? And people are like, Mike's story is so good. It's like, it's super bad. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so then we go into his life. He plays football, but he sucks. Also, he's crushing on his cheerleader chick. Keep her in mind. Yes, he's crushing on the head cheerleader, Caitlin. Uh, he's playing sports, clearly, because his dad's very into sports. They tell us it's because he says his dad's really into sports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, Mike is bad at football. And when he gets hit during the football game, he has a dream about aliens. And, like, people keep asking if he's dead. I don't really understand why. I guess because he's lying on the floor. But, like, he's dreaming about aliens. And, again, it implies that he has some sort of and connection to aliens. And he's asking them to take him with him. So, as you can tell from the three scenes we've had so far, he wants to leave and be with the aliens. Well, actually, that one, they're, like, trying to take his brain. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Cut what I said. In this scene, the alien is... <laughs> In this scene, the alien is, like, trying to take his brain. He's like, no, don't take my brain. And he's like, I don't want it, though. It's very weird. It doesn't come back. It does come back in that, like, uh, the football guy, Scott, uses it on the computer later to, like, make fun of him. But it's like, only, oh, like, yeah. five people were around to hear that. They tried to make it, like, also, oh, it's the same thing you're embarrassed about. Him. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get to that scene. Anyways. His dad is like, okay, son, you'll do better next time. Yeah, so this is our first kind of uh, extended sequence with the parents, where they're not just, where they actually are giving dialogue. And it's shot weirdly. They're weird. The The mom watches, the mom watches, like, Dutch clog dancing on the TV. Every scene with the parents is both shot weird and their behavior is beyond abnormal. I if if the movie was to do a twist where they are aliens, I would genuinely believe it. They almost acted like I think we're supposed to think that or wondering about that, especially with the scene like where he's asking if he's adopted and like they're doing like these weird zoom ins on all his family members and it's like, is he the alien or are they the aliens? Dun dun dun. Because uh, otherwise, what are they doing? <laughs> if they're not trying to make us think that, what were they doing? What were they doing this whole film? Yeah, but at least there, that's like an idea. They're okay. like, what if we make him feel out of place by shooting the adults that like he thinks maybe he's the alien, but then maybe it's like they're the alien. Maybe they're trying to do anything. <laughs> I would just love the idea that they were trying to do something and that these weren't decisions they made that they thought were just normal decisions. <laughs> they thought that was how okay, they were supposed to film with them. And that's not how they shoot like uh, when Mike and Caitlin are interacting. No. So it has to be intentional. And if it's intentional, I just... I hope it had some meaning behind it. I will watch the director's commentary of this film. No, you don't. Okay. I kind of do. Actually, I don't, because I don't want to watch this film again. But, like, I just want to know what the director was thinking. If there's a director's commentary, link it. Uh, yeah. There are, they also spend a lot of time here uh, clearly establishing how incredibly nerdy Mike is. Uh, like, he's good at homework, and he makes Tesseract references, and... Before it was cool. Is it Tetherak in four dimensions? Got him. He really got that sister of his. That's true. This is Tesseract before MCU. Yeah. When it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then we get introduced. Uh, we really get in on our villain. We first met him in the football game, but then we meet him in the computer lab. In a scene. That is certainly a scene. Among the many terrible scenes in this film, this is one of the stranger ones. It's... 
Okay. It's like a computer duel, but Wesley <laughs> using floppy disks to do things that floppy disks can't do. Okay, let me describe the scene. So, our guy comes in, sits down with his best friend, fully sitting at his seat. The cheerleader girl comes in, can't find a place to sit. The fully guy's like, oh, sit here. She didn't want to because he's beating someone up to get her that seat. So, she sits next to our main crew. The bully is very upset about this because he wants to sit next to her. Right. So, in a scene, he pulls out a floppy disk. Sudden western music appears. And he aggressively, he holds it up, he shows that he's doing it, then he puts the floppy disk in the computer. Western music continues. And then things pop up on Mike's computer. <laughs> Again, this is not how floppy disks work. <laughs> I didn't even, I never lived in a world that I had to use floppy disks, and even I know that's not how they work. I don't know how any of that works. How, I don't know how that would come to pass. This film's grasp on technology is very loose. That would be, a, I guess, as it's already been brought up on previous DCOMs, it will come up again. Uh, I assume Smart House accepted, which is a perfect film. What? I'm going to say that. So, and Scott's making fun of Mike by referencing the earlier they're taking my brain thing. And it's like, oh, well, waste or whatever. But it's it's not, not, all the digs are bad. The digs are not. They're not even dicks. Okay, yeah, that's true. They like took the shovel, but they got no dirt. Ooh. <laughs> that was a better dig. It was bad, and that was a better dig than anything in this movie. Okay, so that happens. Our boy Mike pulls out his own floppy disk. Got him. Um, Western music twanging away again. <laughs> and our boy's like, what are you going to do? Mike puts it in. And also, the main, the cheerleader girl, Caitlin, is making some, like, very confused faces this whole time. Me too, girl. We're all confused. Okay, so, in his sloppiness, it sends a message to the teacher that, like, the principal wants to hook up in, like, a bathroom closet or whatever. It says, I think about you, yeah. It's to get her out of the room. And then she's like, oh, I have to go, like, go somewhere. Right now, in the middle of class. Yeah. Go hook up with the principal. Yeah. Not um, a great teacher. Really not. Also, it's funny, he like he knew that would work. Yeah, it does raise some questions about what Mike's been getting up to with all his technology. Anyways, so after that happens, he sends a message to the whole crew. The whole class. Sorry. After that happens, he sends a message to the whole class, which is like, at first it's just like a pig's ass, and... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm not wrong. And then the pig turns its head, and who is it but the bully? It's Scott's face on the pig. You know this because one kid in the class is like, hey, that's your face. <laughs> that's exactly right. Just in case you can't see what's happening on your screen, they have a kid say it. By the way, Western Music continued that whole scene. It only paused for when the teacher left to hook up with the principal. <laughs> what is this spell? And we've told you like every scene so far, to be clear. They're all like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But now we actually start to kick in a little bit to where I think we get some All right, energy. We get some forward movement. Yeah. So, so the cheerleader is at his house. <laughs> yeah. And like he, him and his best friend are hanging out in the treehouse and then his sister comes and is like, some girl's here to you. And he's like, who? And, she, and she's like, oh, Caitlin, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I bet. And it's like, how would his sister know that? It raises the question, like, does he talk about her? 
This girl who probably yeah. doesn't really know him. But when, sister doesn't seem to be playing it like that at all. Like, it seems right. like he just said, like, oh, I think her name's Kayla. Like, she wasn't even mocking him. It's like, oh, the girl you like. She's just like, just some girl. And he's like, right. oh, yeah, I bet. And, like... Well, anyways, <laughs> and this is also kind of, like, wasted tension, because he just goes to the rug. And then Ka- Caitlin's not like, why'd you make me wait so long or anything? No. <laughs> this is just a, a wasted scene. And there'll be a variety of these. We won't discuss them all. There'll because be a we movie won't like waste, this. We won't waste your time. Yeah. Because we had our time wasted. Oh. And your time if you watch Cat Awards with us. I'm <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, by the way. I, I mean, was again find I'm myself going... apologizing for recommending you watch this for like plus. Watching it like with you, me, our researcher was really an experience. I feel like if I was watching it alone, horrible. <laughs> friends don't let friends watch Can of Worms alone. Pete. No, but genuinely. If you haven't watched it yet, and you actually want to watch it, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, but, if but if you, you have do, to, watch it with some friends. Watch it with the people you would say watch Twilight with. Or like The Room. Even better. Yeah. We have Twilight thoughts. Yeah, of course. But we like, kind of like Twilight, but it's, yeah. Anyways. Um, anyways. So the girl is in his room, just chilling, and he's like, oh, okay. And she's like, you're really into science stuff. I need your help. But she's not mocking him at all. Like, she genuinely seems to think his tech stuff is cool. And he's confused by this, but... But she needs his help, and then there's a montage. She needs his help setting up the Halloween party, and she doesn't have a big budget, so she wants it to be cool some other way, and so she's going to use Mike's tech skills. Yes, that's right. It's a Halloween film set in April. Well, not set in April, but premiered in April. And it is spooky. I mean, we talked about this before the pod. I was correct that this does have a Halloween scene, and... It is spooky. Supposed to be. I think the aliens are supposed to be scary. At least the Thode. Yeah. I, they're definitely supposed to be. So you can see why later they're like, let's bring it back and play it in Monstober. But, no. Yeah. There was zero <laughs> tension, let's be clear. I don't actually think it's <laughs> I wasn't spooky. worried at all about literally anything. Like, beyond the fact that it's a decom, like, obviously, they're always just going to win. No one's going to actually die. But let's it's like, clear. this had even less tension than usually. If anything bad had happened to Caitlyn... Or anything bad had actually happened to that random little kid, who I don't actually even like, but he's just a random little kid. That would have moved me slightly. <laughs> anything else is fine. Mike, Scott, even the friend. I don't know his name. Do you know the friend's name? <laughs> Why do we forget this character's name in every film? Nick! Oh, yes. They did not call him Nick in that movie. Apparently the friend's name is Nick. <laughs> I'm just researched. <laughs> Which... I guess comes up in the film. It's not called attention to. Okay. There's zero attention in this film, but it's allegedly spooky. But the montage of making the Halloween dance has some energy. It, seems it like has fun 80s music background. Mike and Caitlin are smiling at each other, which at least implies people are having fun, which is good. I wanted someone to have fun. <laughs> You're right, though. And then we get a scene, uh, which I guess propels the plot in a significant way, where... Scott comes in and invites Caitlin to go hang out with to the Well, to slightly them. before that scene, Caitlin's like talking to him and she's like, I hear you're really good at stories. This is the first time they mention this. <laughs> and it's he's like, Oh well I'll tell you one. And it's just literally the same story he already told. Like He's got one story. Yeah, but she's like, Oh, you're famous for your stories plural. And they're like, You're such a good storyteller. And that implies more than just a super and origin ripoff. Also, who's telling this? Like, the kid who thinks his stories are really good is a child. And then I guess his best friend, Nick. But 
uh, Caitlyn's popular and has friends, so... Right. It doesn't seem like Nick has talked to Caitlyn any more than Mike. He was also staring at her aghast when she sat down next to them. So who is going around repping Mike's stories? <laughs> and it's like, if he's known for anything in the school, it's for his tech skills. <laughs> yeah, it's for being nerdy. So what is the story crap? And for being smart. Like, people think he's like a genius or whatever. But... Anyway, Scott comes, is like, invites Caitlyn... To, you know, like, eat. She's like, nah. And then he gets all upset and leaves. She doesn't go because Scott won't let Mike go and she'd rather hang out with Mike. And you're like, oh, interesting. The bully's like, what is this crap? And it's like, it's just Halloween decorations. Yes, he also doesn't understand how Halloween decorations work. <laughs> and also, Caitlin is aggressively hitting on Mike and he's not picking up on this at all. It's really sad. She's like, he's like, uh, he's like talking and stammering and stuff. Like, oh, ugh. And he's like, oh, I really should be shutting up. And she's like, yeah, that'd be really good. But, like, all romantic-y. Yeah, she's like, clearly being like, kiss me, like, honestly. Right. And she literally like, says, you should stop talking. And then they slowly leans in, smiling. And he's like, ooh, I guess you want to go get food? <laughs> Which I guess is something. I mean, I guess it's like a date, but it's like, boy. <laughs> I get but, yeah. They didn't kiss in this movie. So far. Oh, I was going to talk about this. But somehow, he has Caitlyn, the objectively, in the movie, pretty girl. Yeah, she's pretty. I can say that, because I'm, like, her Asian. Hitting on him basically the entire film at the beginning, and he doesn't get any further than Brink gets with Gabby. <laughs> in fact, Brink gets to Gabby's bedroom, so he got further. <laughs> I mean, she wasn't his, so, like, what are we counting here? I'm just saying... Yeah. Mike no. was getting hit she up by Caitlyn and went nowhere. So, and yeah. They I don't mean, hug? <laughs> nothing. I mean, she's cheering for him at the end of the movie. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they have a lovely... I think they actually have... All of Mike's best acting is with Caitlyn. Like, it's their best chemistry. I Why think, is Mike's voice like this? Let's raise it now. <laughs> yeah, he does. And it's not exactly all the time. But he's it doing It sounds a, like someone else. Okay, He's not just a... tell someone to watch Camber, but if you watched it, listen to Mike's voice, tell me you recognize it, it sounds like someone else, please tell me what it's from, please, 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 like, I beg of you. It was weird. It was, like, weirdly deep when it, like, did not need to be. Yeah, she, he, he had a very weird effect on his voice, and it was, it was distracting. It was, it was very distracting. And it now... did not help with the, is he an adult or not, question you had. To be honest, sometimes I didn't mind being distracted from this film. Yeah, like, there's some times where you're watching it where I'd, like, grab your arm and it'd be, like, wanting to be, like, one of those classic we laugh moments, and you're like, no, I just have to game focus. I was just trying to get through it, okay? Okay. I didn't... There was too much pausing. I, I just needed it to we be You paused a lot at the beginning, because things kept happening. And you were right. You were like, I think we're just going to have to get used to it so this film happened. And we didn't pause, like, at the end. Because we were just used to it being like that. Yes. A lot of times we have to pause the film because we're trying to, you know, then remember to talk to you guys about this film in a way that is interesting. And we pause when something happens that is completely random and discordant with what had happened before. And we were pausing a lot at the beginning of this film before I'm like, we're just going to have to get through it. Yeah. Okay. So the villain is feeling like shit that the girl didn't want to go with him. So he comes to, like, where the dance is going to be, where all the decorations are set up, and he, like, is, like... He's got a random kid there that's never explained who this is. Yeah. Presumably related to him. <laughs> we hope. He, like, plugs in a cord, and is like, oh, yeah, this is going to get him. 
And it, okay. I guess it does get him. <laughs> Cut to like Mike getting ready with his tuxedo. It lights up. Yes. So he goes to the dance. Caitlin's dressed like a fairy angel. It's all fun and games. He is like getting stuff ready, and she's like, "Hopefully you can like autopilot this thing." I'm assuming it's like a DJ thing. He's like, "Hopefully you can autopilot so we can dance later." She is literally giving him all. She's like just like, asking him out. Don't worry, it's just two clicks. Yeah, he was. That's like, how the dialogue in this movie is. It's forced. He talks weird. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know why it's like. <laughs> how many times are we gonna dance? Anyways, so she's doing the classic actually flirting with him. He's barely getting it. Uh, right. Classic. And then he sets the whole dancing up. It gets going. She's dancing, having fun. All the other people are having fun. Even the teachers having fun. Is she with the principal? Who knows? <laughs> I was trying to look for that. And. We keep cutting to Scott, who's with the little kid, and they're on a laptop, and they're just watching all of this, being angry. From, like, some curtains. So we can see them, like, through the curtains, and it's very weird. And then eventually they're miserable because everyone's happy, and they enact their sabotage. Yeah, Caitlin, like, comes up to him and is, like, thanking him. He talks to people, and is like, yeah, we sat up, and it was really fun. And the bully's like, okay, now it's time to enact our plan. It's like, why are you waiting so long? Just to, like, get even more pissed that Caitlin doesn't want you. I think it's also to set up that, like, he had this set up and it worked, and then they can ruin it. Okay, yeah. It should be noted here. I'm going to break for a second. This villain is not threatening. He's really not. Like, they've been setting him up. It's kind of this rivalry. It's like, I've got a plan for this. And even at this point, not knowing what he was going to do on this sabotage, I'm like, this is not going to be anything of significant cost to Mike. Yeah. Like, like, what's the worst? He, like, somehow gets him expelled or something? And he doesn't. He doesn't. Actually, there's zero consequences. And, like, knowing where he ends up, like, as in his role in the film, he wasn't threatening there but at all, but he, like, wasn't supposed to be. So it all feels kind of weird. Yes, there's a lot of setup for, like, oh, this is no Val, people. Oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who is, but... It's he not really a Calibre Bar either. No. It's... He's worse than Margie. He's not worse than Margie. As a threat? Okay, as a threat? No, Margie was, like, way worse. Because, like, at least Caitlin did get mad about this. Greg really did not care about anything Margie said, like, the whole film. I just think Margie pushing Zena in a pool was... <laughs> was more than had this more guy... Had more impact? Had more impact than anything this guy pulled off. Sure, it backfired, but that can't be helped. Okay. Anyways, the sabotage is... He just reverses, like... So, Mike had this thing, there was like a table spinning, or whatever, with, with stuff like on it. cool light of Halloween decorations on it. And it just like, spins backwards. But he has to go really, really fast backwards. And so it gets set on fire. Until things start exploding and on fire. Yeah, the teacher like... So, since it's on fire, she pulls out the fire extinguisher, and starts spraying it. But Mike gets all upset about this, goes in front of it, accidentally gets sprayed with the fire extinguisher stuff, I guess. Then everyone's laughing at him for some reason. I don't know. Like a few people are laughing at him. I guess it's Also, not funny. I don't even know why they're laughing at him. It's like not. It's not funny. It's not embarrassing. It's, just... And then he runs out. Like he's embarrassed. He makes sure to grab his laptop first, though. Yeah. He's like crying. Caitlin's like standing there, like, what should I do? And it's like, what's going on? Why is he embarrassed? Why, is it, why are people laughing? What is this movie? Cut to the opening scene. This is why he was in a tuxedo. This is why, yeah, okay, yes. So, 
after all that weirdness, we finally get to, I guess, the exciting event of the plot. Mike calls to the aliens because he doesn't feel like he has a place on Earth. I feel like this whole alien thing was not as set up as it, like, thought, I thought it was going to be. In the sense that in the opening, he says he doesn't feel like he's a birth, and then the only thing that really comes from that is he has, like, one thing about an alien, and his parents are kind of lame. And he has that one scene with Caitlin when she's in his room where he's kind of talking about communicating with the galaxy. But it's... It's, like, not the big point of that scene. Like, it's just, like, a throwaway comment. Right, it kind of seems like he would just like to have more friends, not that he is so estranged from humans. And he has a good human friend, and he, I guess, hangs out with that guy's kid brother. Like, it's not like he is estranged from people. He kind of has a dynamic with his sister. Yeah. It's like, they that didn't feel like as much of a thing as the movie sometimes acted like it was. Yes, he does. they did not make a movie where he feels like an alien alone in this world. He seems like he's just a kid who doesn't really fit in. He just, like, has, like, social anxiety, I think. Which, like, he'll actually later say to Barnabas. He's basically like, oh, sometimes when you're a kid, you just get upset. And it's like, I mean, most kids don't build satellite connections <laughs> to the other galaxy. So, like, you're not a normal kid who's upset, but... But I see your point. <laughs> Anyways, so yes, he, he gives that weird speech, um, highlighted by the lines, starting with fellow citizens of the galaxy, which is, again, a tough way to start your movie. <laughs> I will say, when he said the phrase... The cruel indigenous population of Earth. I was kind of like me too, bro. <laughs> I I kept making the joke. It's like me when I like, have too much homework to do. Where I'm like, take me, rescue me. Yeah, it's not that. It's a lot of fun to make fun of, which I think adds to film. But yes, the main outcome in the immediate term of the uh, opening satellite call to the galaxy scene is the satellite catches on fire. And he is surprised about this. He, his sister is like trying to get him to do his homework again as set up in the film. And he's like, I lost my will to solve. <laughs> so that was it. You might say this film is so good at <laughs> Shut up! Just drops you in. You don't know what's going on. How... Drops you in in media res. The dialogue is unique. <laughs> Our researcher called it Sorkin-esque, and she's actually a Sorkin fan, so take that how you will. And then after another weird scene with the parents, uh, Mike does go to school the next day because he doesn't want to, and he's lost his will to solve. <laughs> and he's walking, he's standing very weird. I guess he's like trying to keep his face down, but, but like it makes him look like... Hunchback. Yeah, it's just like... Yes, the thing to do to fit in at school and not be noticed is to walk down the center of your hallway like you're a hunchback. <laughs> I know. Uh, and, then, and people are, like, laughing at him and, like, pointing at him. It's like, why, though? I mean, to be clear, if somebody set up a cool dance thing, it lit on fire, they jumped in front of a fire extinguisher, then they, <laughs> started, the then they started crying, basically, <laughs> but made sure to grab their laptop on the way out and then ran out keeping their head down, and then walk back into school the next day, acting like a hunchback. <laughs> I'm not sure I wouldn't laugh. Honestly. Okay, I guess the true question is, why did he do all those things? Very, we have to stop asking why about this film. But, I want to. It raises a lot of questions. It does, just like this scene. It's like, why though? He does walk up to Caitlin, and she kind of kisses him. He's and like, what do you want? And I was... You know, I guess this is, if, from Mike's perspective, this is a betrayal. But he expected it because he never thought he really fit in anyways. 
That's why he called to the aliens. That's why he called to the aliens. And now we really get to what they wanted us to think was the good stuff. The introduction of the aliens. That's right. We've got a space dog. Hell yeah. The be second best character has arrived. Barnabas, what up? Yes. He's a dog. Our researchers like, this is not the kind of dog I was expecting this to be. This at first did not seem like the second best character because he has a mouth thing. It is bad. That thing's really weird looking. It's very ugly. It doesn't even look that much like a mouth. TBH. It looks that strange. I... The visual direction of this film, especially when it comes to the aliens, is atrocious. Like, Barnabas and his mouth is probably the best designed alien? That's because just a cute dog. It is just a cute dog. The part we don't like about his design is the part that's just not a cute dog. Right. Uh, but otherwise, the best designed alien is... The were? Like, what do you... I mean, I guess the alien that the turns out... The one that turns out to be real from Mike's story, maybe? I don't know what those are called. Okay, anyways. So Barnabas, the aliens are bad. It's <laughs> yeah, here. We'll, we'll get more into that. So Barnabas, the dog, shows up. It basically gives us a plot, tells him how he's like now needing a lawyer case or whatever. He's now basically opened up. He's established that he's a being of higher intelligence than, you know, these normal primitive humans. And therefore, he is capable of being taken away from the planet. Because he opened the Stargate. He opened the Stargate. Which, in the dog's case... Is a, is a doghouse. Is a doghouse with a swirling portal we in the middle of it. We thought this was really stupid looking. And I continue to. I didn't realize that every alien would have its own customized Stargate. I mean, what would your customized st Stargate be? I don't know, like, bed. I was going to say a bed, too. <laughs> this is because we're the same person. Start the conspiracy theory. Have you ever seen two of us in the same room? Yes! <laughs> Literally right now, I'm looking at you! And me! Uh, so funny. It's, like, it's like a gif. It's like a gif. But yes, I actually wrote the note here, uh, Barnabas UK, because he seemed fine. <laughs> Which was a, a noted distinction for the rest of the film. It's like, he's not actively terrible. Good on you, mate. The film is then again, but he doesn't believe Barnabas is real, he thinks he's hallucinating, which I guess is logical if you just saw a talking dog pop up and you've been having a bad time. I don't know, he mentioned like the specific thing. They get a very unnecessary, very gross tongue shot of the inside of my face. Oh, yeah, I did not need to do that. Like, he's checking his eyes and it could have stopped there. And then it should have stopped This leads there. into another weird gross section that also has annoying plot relevance. Perhaps I deign to call it the worst scene. It's, it's certainly. Oh, I don't know. The, I the scenes with the lawyer, uh, the the bomb, or something. It was like the blob or the bomb or something. Snot bucket. The yes, the green snot lawyer. <laughs> They're real bad scenes. I think it's. I think it's worse than that though. Yeah, probably worse than that. Yeah, no. The scene with all five of the aliens is really atrocious. <laughs> But yeah. that involves this lawyer as well, but that seems really bad. Yeah, Let's talk I don't about know. This. There's something about this scene. Like, it just went on it's forever. It's gross. It, it's gross. It also is really long. Like, it's not funny. Cut all they, of it. Like, like, honestly, all of it. It felt like that one scene from Game of Thrones with Tyrion talking about the Beatles. 
when his cousin's like killing them, <laughs> where it just feels so long, and you're just like, wrap it up, and it feels like it was four hours long. Just that scene. This scene is unnecessarily long, and I guess I thought they were driving plot, because while this weird, gross lawyer alien is being... Like, eating his food. Eating his food, and like, getting and slime everywhere, and everywhere. then making weird smells and noises come out. He's on the phone with Caitlin, who's calling to apologize about the way she mistreated him at school and kind of trying to start over as friends. Second chance and such. And he's not really listening because there's, like, gross is happening in his room. And he also doesn't just be like, hey, I can't talk right now. I'll call you back. Which yeah. Which is a logical thing to do. It's, like, just be like, oh, hey, like, a big family thing's happening. I'll call you in, like, an hour. He I'm literally sure- even says, a plumber's being gross at my house. Just be like, I can't talk right now because I won't be able to hear you. Yeah. Like, but I really want to talk to you. Like, literally anything. Like, yeah. And he's like, are you sure you want to talk to me? Or, or and she's like, are you sure you, like, can talk right now? And he's like, no, yeah, I'm listening. Like, dude, I'm sure if he really wants to start over, he'll just call you back. <sighs> but plot had to happen, so... Yeah, but, like, not even that long lost. <laughs> well... It's kind of... It's, ju- it's just unnecessary because, like, literally a couple scenes from then, he basically goes over to her house to try and kick things up and again. And an alien interrupts them. And an alien interrupts again, and it causes him to dismiss her. So, like, you don't need to do that twice. You really did it. So we could have just cut the whole lawyer scene. Like, you're right, we could have cut that scene, because he still would have accidentally jerked around Caitlyn yeah. because of aliens. Alien shenanigans. And then we wouldn't have had to watch that scene. It was so long. It was so gross. I was eating. No, I hadn't. I wasn't eating. But it made me not want to eat. <laughs> Like, ever again? <laughs> like, kind of, you know. Um, I later got ice cream while we were watching the film, and I'm like, actually, should I? Because I don't know what kind of scenes are going to happen later on. That scene actually made me write the note. This is terrible. This movie is terrible. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> you heard our predictions for rankings earlier. We asked our researcher, who had done some research in this film, what her prediction like was. Like, the plot? And she said a two. And at that, after that scene, I was thinking a two felt high. <laughs> it was like, that two is feeling pretty lofty right now. Also, the goo gross thing is a lawyer. Classic joke. Commentary. Because lawyers are slime balls. Ah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I didn't see what they were doing there, but now I see it. A literal slime ball is a lawyer. There's some, like, slight thing where he's trying to take on his case against Earth, and the kid's like, no, I want to go Earth. away. Um, he's talking about suing the Earth government. It's like, there's not an Earth government. Maybe there is in this universe. <laughs> I have zero further follow-up questions about the Canterbury universe. My note was, like, I hate this so much. <laughs> I like how we independently wrote notes about how we hate this scene. <laughs> it's a really bad thing. So after the slime ball lawyer scene, his friend shows up, doesn't believe him about the aliens. He thinks he's going crazy. He's walking around town. He's going to spy on Caitlin. She's like looking dismissively at him. Barnabas shows up and he's like, hey, we need to leave. Otherwise, aliens will keep showing up and messing everything up. And he's like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to leave. I was just being a kid. And Barnabas is like, well, you opened up a real can of worms. Roll credits. <laughs> Here's the thing. I thought it was going to be real worms, and the fact that this movie is called Can of Worms, I hate. <laughs> it's one of the worst parts of this movie, and as someone who has been describing the movie, I hope you understand. That's a really <laughs> big thing. It's like, 
why I hate, I don't know why I hate it so much, but I really hate it. It's why they keep leaning on this phrase, like, it should have, like, be significant. But or, like, be not. funny or something. And the only significance is that they made it the title. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't the title, it would feel like a weird line reading. Because he, like, pops in, like, you've opened up a real can of worms, mister. And, like, yes, that's a real phrase. That means you've opened up a thing that you didn't understand the consequences. But, I mean, I guess that's what this movie is about, but, like, not really. I don't really know what this movie is about. At first, it seemed to be this kid felt, like, alien, but he didn't really. And then it was, like, save people from alien zoos. I mean, I guess the ultimate conclusion is Mike really did belong on Earth. You really can't fit in where you are. Why is it called can worms, then? Why not, like, alien be like? <laughs> Why not that? Something with alien be like? <laughs> Something with alien. Well, I don't think they wanted to give it away, maybe. I guess they put an alien on the cover. Yeah. One of the know. worst aliens. I don't think the title's the problem, but I understand why you I hate it. I do not like it's, the title. And they, they mention it a couple... Barnabas drops that line a couple times. Like, at least three. And... Bad. It's too knowing and bad. Then we get another... So we talked about this earlier a little bit. He goes back to try and meet Caitlin again. Another alien interrupts. This time, it's a... TV show producer. Yeah, he wants to, like, tell his story on the TVs. Yeah, it's like a publicist-type thing that wants to sell his story. Yeah, on TV I hated the design It's really gross and weird. It's, like, weird and ugly. I didn't like it. I didn't like looking at it, which is another thing I felt with the slime ball thing. I used to not like watching that. This is the cover alien, if you looked at that cover earlier. Yeah. Including, if you didn't know that it has weird feet, where it's wearing socks and shoes unnecessarily. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It's it's just I don't like looking at it. I don't like looking at it either. It also apparently has magical powers that make people freeze. I don't know. Because it like blinks at them and then some like dust comes out. It's really weird. And like so he takes him to another place off her porch where she was. Then there's like a school bus. Oh, like, that goes over him as he's trying yeah, to talk to Yeah, when her. he eventually gets to sailing to leave, he tries to run to talk to Caitlin before she goes away. A school bus gets in the way. He fails. Caitlin's mad at him again. She was <laughs> Sounds so tired him. at life. <laughs> I don't know. It's the same plot. Again, like, it's we just like did it. It's like <laughs> And we did it twice. And then... It took something out of you. And then he goes home and he's sad. And then we get a scene that, like, I have a note that worm alien was bad because I guess he's the wormiest of the aliens yeah and then so our many boy, aliens are worse there's yeah. like five aliens now okay so our boy is like he's talking to all these aliens the friend is there so now he believes him and they're like come with us and there's like five of them so he can get like a deal so basically he packs up his stuff his friend's like shouldn't you wait till your parents come home and he's like no because he got spurned by this one chick so he's just leaving the planet luckily enough she shows up <laughs> to his house and is like Things seem to be going weird with you, and he's like, like, "You made sense, and now I can't make any sense of you." Yeah, it's like Caitlin, you're in the wrong movie for this acting you're doing. She is trying. She, I feel like she could cry if she needed to. Like she's pretty good. Yeah, she's like good. And that's crazy because of the movie she's in. <laughs> like I said, I feel like if she needed someone to like cry and command in this movie, it would definitely be her. Like including the parents. <laughs> what? You don't think that Pillsbury could do it? 
No. Anyways, so he's like leaving to go to another place, and he like tells her aliens exist, like real chill, like, hey, I'm going to leave to another planet, and she's like, I don't believe you, and he's like, that doesn't matter. He's like, in my, like, while I felt here, I never felt like anything made sense. You're the only thing that made me feel like I belonged here, while his best friend is literally two feet away from both of them. Yes, that was a tough scene. He and hangs out with this guy all the time, and he's like, you're the only thing that, you made me feel different than anyone's ever made me feel before. I you felt like me... I belonged with you. And they do not show the friend, because that would be awkward. <laughs> I feel they should have. Just lean in. Uh, this is the one scene where they should have been more. Parent, he's in his family's home. There was like a little bit of rapport with the sister, though she was pretty mean to him at the dinner table in that one scene. For like no reason. And she was bad at it. His parents seem like kind of nice. They're just clueless and... Aliens. Apparently aliens. That's that's why I had canon now. They're just aliens. Yeah. And no one told Mike. It wasn't... It just wasn't relevant to Mike's journey. It, it wasn't. <laughs> Anyways, he's leaving... They're still on the porch, and they're talking to him, and, like, Caitlin, like, the two boys walk off, and, like, Caitlin is, like, walking after them, like, a few seconds later, but she did not come out to the porch till a while later. Yeah, Mike says, like, bye, Caitlin, and walks away, and his friend follows him, and then Caitlin's like, what is going on? But then, like, decides to stay, closes the door, and, yes, it's following right behind them, but then somehow like, doesn't get out for- Like, she's at most, like, seven seconds away from them. But she somehow doesn't walk out the door for, like, a minute or two. So then we get some aliens talking to him about, like, contracts, and they're different deals. There's one that, like, just wants to hook up with him, and it's, like, a fish clam thing. That was uncomfortable, so I wrote no notes on it. <laughs> but it was uncomfortable. I didn't write any notes on it. I just remembered it. It seared into my brain. The aliens are all bad, and five aliens talking at once is way worse. But before he can sign up for the contract with any one of them, Barnabas shows up, but then also they all run away. And in, at first, Mike's like, okay, great. And then I got rid of the aliens. Barnabas is like, no, the evil alien is coming. Oh, no, he says, the thoad is coming. <laughs> I, yeah, he does. He's like, your can of worms keeps getting messier. This is another scene where he says that thing again. I literally said Barnabas stop saying can. <laughs> he can't keep opening up, he can't keep opening up this can of worms. Barnabas, please stop saying can. I can't take please it stop, Please stop, please stop, please stop. Exactly right. <laughs> Thode? Thode? Yeah, why is it called a Thode? I guess because it kind of looks like a Toad thing, is I guess the idea. But it's an alien. <sighs> and we'll get into it. I, I, actually, let's not get into it. <laughs> yeah, let's not. Anyways, so evil Thode is showing up. Dun, dun, dun. Our three kids and Barnabas are like getting worried. That random little kid who's the little brother shows up out of nowhere and like the treehouse is glowing. By the way, a lot bunch of things took place in treehouse. Pretty sick, if you ask me. I love treehouses. It's not like the best treehouse, but it's pretty cool. It's not the best, but it's, it's like, apparently full of aliens. <laughs> no, because they left because the thode is coming. Well, the thode also comes through the treehouse. Yeah, I don't know why they all showed up in that. But like, anyways, like, the little kid climbs up to the treehouse and, and he's like, "This and, is so cool, Mike!" And all the kids are like, "No, just don't go in there." And he does. He gets like, like a tongue hits him and he is pulled in. They all run after him, but they the portal has closed behind the tongue, and <laughs> they're like, "Barnabas, what are we gonna do?" And he's like, "Oh, that's the thoad." It's I can't tell you how weird this word thoad is. Just say it out loud a few times, you'll feel uncomfortable. So no, I felt uncomfortable hearing it, and I am now feel uncomfortable saying it. But basically, he's talking about the thoad. I'll say it for you. 
He's a collector. He's a collector, and he wants to collect the perfect specimen. Luckily, earlier in the film, during said Western <laughs> floppy disk duel, the, like, it best friend back. had called the bully. He's like, he's, like, too perfect. He's, like, a good football player. He's smart. It's a very weird thing to put in a scene because it didn't feel like it connected to anything. I'm like, is this, like, Cody? What is going on? But then it came back. <laughs> right. Because they need a perfect specimen. So they show up to his house, like, our best friend, like, covers his mouth, takes him to the ha- backyard, blah, blah, blah. He's there's a talking dog. He's like, okay, I guess aliens exist. He gets taken by the thone, and then they all follow. Let's take a second here to also talk about this Scott character. <laughs> we talked earlier about how he's an unthreatening villain. He now gets motivated. Like, Mike tries to, like, pep talk him, like, we're on the same team. He gets pulled in by a dare. And it's just unclear what he's kind of doing here. It's a very strange character. I don't know what they're doing with this character. I mean, I realize we've talked a lot about how we don't know what they're doing with any of this film. But, like, Mike makes sense as a character. He's the geeky guy who feels out of place, who's going to find his way back to the place. He just has a sidekick friend who's also geeky, but not, like, as geeky and weird. Caitlin's, like, the pretty girl who... She's not even, like, dismissive of him for being geeky, but she's just, like... She's obviously, but unquestionably into him, <laughs> and she doesn't. And she's just dealing with it very normally. And then, like, they have a Scott character who, like, Barnabas is a, is a talking dog. <laughs> Barnabas is a cool alien talking dog. And then Scott is just like this guy who's supposed to be a bully, but then he's kind of like not that much of a bully. It seems like he just didn't like this one guy. <laughs> he doesn't like this one guy. He's kind of a jerk to Caitlin, but not too bad. He's just kind of like a guy. <laughs> And then they're like, he's perfect, and then he gets dared, but he's like, but Mike's still calling him stupid. It's very strange. Yeah, because they say he's intelligent, and he knows how to do that floppy disk crap, but also he's stupid, so I don't know. It's I didn't have a point there, because <laughs> you, there you is no point. He's just this amorphous character that they're not doing anything with. Yeah. Well, this will happen again. We'll touch on this again in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So they use Scott as bait. And they follow him back into the Thode's Stargate. And they enter the Thode's world. Is it Thord or Thode? It's Thode. Oh, that's way worse. <laughs> 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 so the Thode, so actually, the bully character is in this, like, fake backyard version of um, Mike's house with the little kid trapped there. But our three mains and the dog are in, like, some weird alien world jungle-ish place. It's actually kind of cool looking. Yeah, I was, like, I was getting into it. I was, like, this seems like a fun place to hang out. Like, for a movie setting. Sure. (laughs) Maybe real world, too. But, like, it seemed, I was getting into it. I was, like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of an interesting thing. Like, he's, like, our character, our people we want to save are trapped in, like, a zoo. Our characters need to get to them. I was getting into it. Then. Yes. Well, this is the thing. And there's a great scene where Barnabas calls it a, he's like, the Thode would call it a sanctuary, but you would call it a prison. But, like, all the stuff with the kids and Barnabas is actually kind of good, as we said right at the top of this. This movie's actually kind of moving. It's got, I guess, like, you'd say, like, a a really, like, D-minus Goonies vibe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was starting to get, like, I don't know, pacing. (laughs) Yeah. There was dynamics between the characters. It's starting to get there. We're forming a team. And then... (laughs) They're running past, they, they're going past one of the, like, One of the things. little windows that shows the zoo. By, By the, the way, way, the windows, that was the 
thing on the cover that Mary thought was a tire. <laughs> it looks like a tire. I'm right. Um, Mission Mate wore tires in the movie, so I was supposed to get what that was. Um, but they're going past one of these um, sanctuary things, and in it is the alien from like Mike's continuous dreams and stories. Alien is real. And Mike puts his hand up to the glass. And the alien puts its hand back towards the glass. And, like, they're, like, looking at each other intently. I thought their hands were going to touch near the glass. But actually, that didn't happen. So, like, like Yes. But, like, they're definitely, like, having, like, a staring mental I connection. Thought, yes. And it was not. It was really weird. This will get picked up again later, but then not really. Watching this live, you're like, wait, are they really setting up that Mike is an alien? Because that seems discordant with what why I expect the theme of this movie to be. And <laughs> it I guess that it ultimately was. It because it kind of, like, stopped mattering. Him being, like, alien kind of stopped mattering because some people got kidnapped. And that's what we're worried about right now. Not, like, Scott feeling... Not Mike. I used to say Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They you should have just kept calling him the bully character so I wouldn't get confused at these generic male names. Anyways, not about, like, Mike feeling left out. That hasn't been, like, the main worry in a little bit. So it felt very out of nowhere. Anyways, right. they're running around. And then suddenly, a guy in a suit appears. Yes. They find uh, Scott the bully and the friend's younger brother. Who, by the way, I have zero idea what the younger brother's name is. <laughs> I assume they say this in this movie. No idea. He's the younger brother. <laughs> yeah. They find their, their little jail cell. And then while they're looking at it, like, we have to find a way to get them out, a weird guy shows up. <laughs> in a suit behind them. In a suit. He's bald. He's being creepy. And you're like, this is an interesting decision for the Thode. It's just like a creepy guy. Like, I don't know if I like it, but I I don't dislike it. I did not dislike it. I was kind of into it. I was like, this is interesting. I was like, Dudes okay, in suits okay. are the evil. I can, I can get behind that kind of story. And then... And then he turns into a weird toad frog, frog monster. Frog alien monster. See, the toad like... is like a toad with a tongue thing. Uh, it bad. Like, in my notes, I said, this villain sucks. <laughs> and I'm right, and I'm, I'm, I, and I'm right, and I should say it. <laughs> I mean, my note was, toad was better as a weird dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then they're running away from the toad. And he's, like, Wait, turning into a Wait, hold on. Dog. In the middle of running away from the Oh, throat, you're right. In the middle of this, like, uh, supposed to be tense scene. We cut to the younger brother telling Mike's story to Scott. Because he brought up about how Mike's so good at stories. <laughs> and Scott then states the theme we talked about right at the beginning, where this is clearly just about Mike and how he doesn't fit in. It's just, like, self This is just said out loud. And Scott's like, huh, really interesting. And like, he, and he's like, seems like Mike was talking about himself. And then the little kid's like, "Huh, I guess you're right." And then they look at each other like, meaningfully, yeah. like, "Yeah, it's we've like really that learned Christian something." Bale Kermit gif, you know? <laughs> okay. They're like shaking their head. And they're like, "Yeah, it's we have like an that. understanding." And then we cut to like our main trio right away from the phone. <laughs> I don't know why that scene was there. Like, we got it. There. Also, like. I guess it's to set up the fact that Scott and Mike kind of get past their issues, but it seems like that was probably going to happen by, like, the whole Thode escape thing. It seems like it just going to happen because they both know aliens exist and got kidnapped, so, like, that thing changes the dynamic. You know the Harry Potter line, you can't... There's certain things that'll bring you together, such as being a cave troll. Yeah. And not be best friends. It seems like defeating an intergalactic Thode. That's literally what I was saying. 
it's like this would change your dynamic no matter like what. Like we didn't need Scott getting a story about how Mike doesn't feel like he fit in ever. I also was worried they're gonna make the bully be like, I feel like that sometimes, but then they did it like. Well, I, I guess they had summers to resist something. <laughs> yeah. At least that. Anyways. So they're all hiding behind some rocks. The Thode appears in full frog glory. We're going to first see him as a frog. Eh. That's right. Uh, this is actually, uh, Mike sets a trap by, like, talking to him. They and trap then, him in a cage. Yeah. It's like, this cage, I feel like, should it just seems like a cage, so I don't know why it's holding him, like, this well. Like, whatever, but okay. They also managed to steal the key right off his chest. The Thode's not really in his <laughs> It really does. Remember there's zero tension here? There's zero tension here. It's going to be fun. Our people run away, and, like, they keep having him be, like, screaming in the background, I think, to be like, oh, he's still there. I, like, kind of, like, the way this movie was, like, paced and set up, I really, the could have just stayed in that cage, and I would have been, like, it could have just, like, been, like, what the rest of the movie is like. Yes. Then, they get the key, they don't know how to use it. Mike mind melds with that alien from his story that turned out to be real. They have, like, a weird mind-reading connection thing, I think. Yes, and then he's able to free people from the zoo, so he frees that guy, and he frees his friends. And then he does... Then the Thode breaks out, so they have to run away to the gate. He does the thing to free everyone else, I guess, over some crystals. And then they all get away. But then the gate doesn't close. The Thode's coming. Barnabas is like, I'll call the Galactic Police. We have to hold them off until then. Okay, so, so the police are coming, but the frog guy is showing up. This frog, I all the aliens have looked bad. He looks really bad. And so he he weirdly jumps when he could have just walked. He does. And so then I guess the climax of this movie is he tongues one of them. He like gets his tongue around Mike's. Mike. Like the rest angle. of them just start pulling on Mike, and they're just having a tug of war with the Thode. And it's like Barnabas, just like bite this guy's tug. They're like Barnabas, help! He starts barking, which is not actually helping. But they later thank him for this, and he's like, "Sometimes it's fun to act like a primitive." Weird energy. <laughs> and then eventually, the police guy just shows up and is like holds it, a gun at him, and is like, it, "Hey Thode, like stop." It feels like if the dad is there, he'd probably have a gun. The dad showing up and shooting the alien is an incredible. <laughs> Like turn and it would felt. I feel like that would have been a more cohesive thing than another character who we've never met before shows up, takes the villain away. Well, what if they done something really corny in Disney Channel style, where like the dad showed up, and then like Mike and Scott had to use their football skills to save the dad? That would have been bad. But I was more into it than like Galactic Police who we've never met fair. before. That would have been atrocious, but it would have been funny. <laughs> yeah. It would have felt more in line. I'd be like, okay, I guess. Instead of just like, who is this person? Why are they taking out the main villain who we also didn't know about till like ten minutes ago, who's now the main villain? Right, let's be clear. The Black Blue shows up, he holds a gun at the third, the third's like, Oh, I have to stop now, and then just goes in, gets arrested. That's it. The, no, That's it. the villain's gone. <laughs> also, the villain was only mentioned like ten minutes ago. And then the cop is like, What happened here? Explain your story, and they all start talking, and then it just cuts to a football scene. Like <laughs> I thought the scene was kind of at least might have been the end, and, like, I think me being, like, I thought the scene was just going to end like that, it, like, shows this movie had no real cohesion throughout. But then they tried to give it some sort of cohesive message and theme. Okay, so they're at the football um, game. Wait, let's see. 
Okay, so the in an objective sense, the bomb lawyer, slime lawyer thing is like the worst scene. But in another way, this is the worst scene. It's I personally just found I didn't actually want feel like I want to throw up watching the scene, but emotionally I kinda did. It just was sad and cringy. <laughs> it was really like they suddenly told the guy who played Mike he can act and I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> He was doing he was making decisions. So I guess what happens in the scene, I guess the important part here. Mike is sitting on the bench at a football game. Classic Mike. Barnabas shows up, is just talking in the middle of a bunch of people. No one notices. He's just talking to him. I guess, like, because I thought there's going to be a scene where only he could, like, find the aliens. But then, like, no. Nope. Everybody knows what... Everybody, everybody can see the aliens. Everybody can talk to the aliens. They just, like, don't? Okay. But in this scene, nobody can notice. Barnabas tells Mike that basically everything's good. All the kidnapped people are back to their home planets. The guy's getting arrested. Woo, woo, he's no longer suing the Earth, you know. All those things. And then he also tells, right, no more aliens will come because they've classified your thing as an accident, which means Earth is now primitive and safe again. And he's like, but you, you actually did it, so you can still leave if you want to. And they cut to this really earnest shot of Mike. It's like shot from below him. Like, and from Barnabas' like, perspective. And he pauses, and you're like, what is he thinking about? Doesn't he just have a bunch of friends now? Like, isn't his life good? Also, he, he has a girlfriend? Also, he didn't want to leave before when none of those people liked him. When the girl hated him, when the bully was still a bully, when his best friend didn't believe him about aliens, he was, he like, was like, I don't really want to leave. He wanted to leave because he thought that would make the aliens stop bothering him at his house, and the girlfriend didn't like him. And now all of that is resolved. The aliens are gone, and he's like, hmm, let me think about this. And then he's like, no. I will stay. And you're like, of course. What? Yeah. The only thing is it seems like he can't talk to Barnabas ever again. And that's like the only thing. But they even frame it like that. Also, him and Barnabas weren't that close. So they try to make this emotional connection. What do you mean? He stares earnestly at Barnabas and says, goodbye, Barnabas. I will never forget you. And it's like, yeah, I probably wouldn't forget a talking dog either. But like, they There's zero have... chance anyone forgets what happened to him that weekend. <laughs> and also, this is like a like three-day thing. Um... But the thing about this is, in this scene, there's a lot to talk about. But, like, one thing I really, like, realized, him and Barnabas, like, didn't have any emotional connection. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he was annoyed by Barnabas for most of this movie. And then at the end, it seems like they were just helping, like, in the same way him and Scott kind of had a thing, him and Barnabas did. Like, a little nicer than that, because Barnabas wasn't, like, a bully. He was just, like, a talking dog. Right. But they weren't, like, he wouldn't have, it's not like the mummy in Under Wraps, where I'm, like, Sure, yeah, there's, like, an emotional thing. Listen, he was not projecting his daddy issues on his talking dog, so there's no <laughs> emotional thing here. It's not emotionally right. resonant. He was not projecting anything on this dog. <laughs> there's, like, annoyance. There's no emotional resonance. Yeah. From the scene. They also, uh, they basically explicitly state that Mike was a human, which is, of course he is, but... <laughs> it makes that one, it makes a lot of stuff weird. Like, why they even bring up, he thought, he literally thought he was, like, literally an alien. Why did he have a psychic meld with that one alien? Right. Of the exact species that he created a whole story about. Why, 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 why? But they didn't completely, I guess, explicitly state that he was a human, but Barnabas basically did. And so you go, were they, like, hoping maybe to set up a sequel where they reveal, like, they explore this further? I don't think so. No. I think they just... Wanted to set up, he thinks he's an alien, and then have it not be true, but have him have a connection with those aliens. I will not get over the fact that he had 
a story about those exact aliens, and then those aliens are a real thing, and this is never explained. Yes, I just, like, give Barnabas some, like, weird line where it's like, and it looks, I just, like, give me, like, a little, little like, anything. Because he's right. made, like, the second scene in the movie, the first one chronologically, is him talking about these aliens, and then, like, in the third scene, where he gets hit by that thing, he sees these aliens. It's, like, a very early on plot point, and, like, kind of gets, like, a little buried in the middle when they have to, like, rescue Scott and the kid or whatever. But it was, like, a big thing. And it's, like... And then the alien comes back, and it's a real. And it's, like, why? And, like, even just say, like... Even just throw a line in there about how, like, those aliens... Visit babies. Visited Earth when he was a baby and touched him or something. And that's why he was able to create the galaxy. Like, like... Have that tie back to the whole plot point, which is that a human did something a human's not supposed to be able to do because they're too primitive. Have it connect to these aliens, and that's why he knew this story. Anything. Literally, oh my gosh, just anything. Just tell me why. Like, I don't know. Like, I pretty, like, maybe, maybe they explained that, and we just weren't paying attention to Barnabas. But, like, I don't think so. And before Barnabas leaves, though, (laughs) you couldn't hear Mary decide loudly again. He's like, when... Mike decides to stay. He's really impressed. And he's like, he's like, you know, when other humans get down, when other humans are sad about the world, they look down. But you, you, Mike, you looked to the stars. <laughs> you reached to the galaxy. And just saying that line, you're probably like, ooh, that was cringy and bad. I don't think, like... Wh- There's dramatic music playing behind it. It's a whole thing. They play it like this is insightful revelation. <laughs> like, this is, like, the most, um, like, like, insightful thing anyone's ever said. Mike is trying to act his hardest. This is the second they time. They have an emotional shot of a dog that's just like a dog. They are they are trying their hardest to make this. This is the second time a DCOM has tried to, in a movie they completely didn't earn it, try to impart universal truths that are not earned and are not relevant to the plot of that movie. And they're also said by a dog. With a human standing next to a dog, <laughs> or the dog is talking. It's not good. It wasn't good then. It's not good now. I hate it. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, but, and then Barnabas is like running away to get to his uh, gate, his stargate. And then like our Mike is walking towards him, like see see him go, and he's like goodbye, Barnabas. And Barnabas jumps to his little dog house, and it's like okay. <laughs> then our Mike has to play the football thing. He gets hit. Nothing ever changes. Him and Scott have this right. weird He's still chat. bad at football. And then him and Scott are having this weird shot on the football field. And it's like, don't they have a game to play? But the best part is, Mike gets hit because he's still bad at football. And he's laying on the ground. Scott comes to pick him up. And I guess they're like buddies now. But they're still kind of mean well, to each other. It's like they have an understanding. And Scott's like, why do you even stay on the football team? Why do you even play football? And like, exactly. Mike's like, as hard as it is to believe, I belong here. And then at some point in this conversation, Scott goes... Keep dreaming. And Mike responds, I will dream on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a direct quote. They weren't done with the cringe. They had a whole scene of me being uncomfortable about the cringe between this I human tr- and this dog. And then they like doubled back for it with Mike I and Scott. I try not to use the word cringy because it's been overused to the point of desensitization. There's no other way to describe these scenes. I, we were actively like cringing. Like, in the fullest extent, our faces... We're making uh, like we it was terrible. Um, the it's cheerleader girlfriend cheering him on. Then it like ends. Yes, this is the end. Like they show them, they show the girl cheering. They do a cheer for Mike. Even though he like sucks, so like why? And then they 
go to them playing football. And you're like, this is the end of this film. There's no resolution of him feeling weird with his family. We don't see him and Caitlin together again, basically after the group scenes. So, like, that gets no resolution. They're, I mean, there's no I, resolution to her aggressively hitting on him. As I said, he gets nowhere with this. Like, I assume they're going to start dating because she's cheering for him and stuff. But, like, it seems like it, but they don't. They don't show that. The best bond in the film is the two of them, and they don't go back to it. They end on football. The brother, the, sorry, the friend's not even at the football game. I think he's sitting near the family, but he's just in the stands. <laughs> the friend's brother who was kidnapped. Maybe he's there. Who knows? Like, nothing really gets resolved or followed up on. They don't actually show that Mike's life is better, except for I guess he's not getting aggressively bullied anymore. But he's still getting kind of bullied? And he can't play football. And him and his family probably are still weird. The end. And you'll never see his talking dog again. Anyways, the important part here is that Mike stayed on Earth, his true home. <laughs> My last note is, this is objectively terrible. And, uh, yeah, I stand by the, I mean, we just went through the plot as our notes, because we just had a lot to say about, like, almost every scene. So. Guys, we didn't like this film. I don't know if you can tell. Actually, while we're here, Mary, what would you give this film out of 10? I'm thinking about it. Because I laughed a lot. That's true. And there were things I liked. Again, I liked Mark and Catelyn, and I feel like some of the scenes with the kids was good. There's a yeah. different version of this movie that actually is good. Yeah. Not, like, great, but, like... Solid. Under wraps, good. Yeah, like you could rewatch and be like, "That was fun," but not this film. No, like that scene where the just the dog and the three kids are hanging out on the alien planet, like just them, no one, <laughs> no one else. It's like I like thought that had good energy, and that was like good, and then it got bad. <laughs> that all the aliens sucked. Except Barnabas, who's just a dog. The aliens are so bad. Even Barnabas kind of sucks. The talking's weird. We eventually yeah. just get past it because I just learned to not look at the mouth. <laughs> yeah. But when I'm not looking at the thing that keeps calling attention to that has bright lights lighting up when you talk, <laughs> like, I'm aggressively trying to make myself like this movie more by just being like, it's a dog. It's a dog. It's a dog. <laughs> it's Ignoring the alien stuff. I just, like, I just, I could look past it. I'm like, it's just a dog. Just look at the cute dog. I should know that the aliens, it's not like the effects per se, are bad. They're ugly as it's hell. Just ugly. The visual direction is terrible. Yeah. And also, they, like, are gross. Yes. The magic at. effects and, like, the gross effects, where the aliens interact with the people actually does look a little rough. But it's just they're... Ugh, it's just so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's really bad. It is really ugly. And I just hate I'm sorry it. for this 90 minute part of us just going, why and this is so bad, but like, this is the film. That's, those they are They made thoughts. this. Give me, link me the director's commentary. I want to know their thought process. Why did they do the things they did? That's it. I will say I do like this film better than you love the dog. Oh, definitely. But like, not that much. I thought, I laughed a lot this film, and it was like more of a fun thing. Yes. And I laughed at um, Yoki Dog, but in a very uncomfortable sense. Like, sure. when he stayed the moral in court as a dog, but actually as Kurt Cameron, right. I was laughing, but it was, like, very uncomfortable. Like, it's like when you laugh when you're nervous because you, like, don't know what to do, so you just kind of laugh. It was like that. Yes. I was laughing here because the dialogue was really bad, and, like, the plots and, like, just scenes just kept happening, and it didn't feel like they... And it didn't feel like they had any real cohesion besides, like, this is just how it happened. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, like theme-wise, like, things would just change with the music. 
So it didn't feel like yes. they had any inherent theme cohesion or like whatever. Um, however, I did like it more than You Lucky Dog. I did enjoy it more, but at the same time, there's a lot of scenes I really did not like. And like, I'm never going to rewatch it. Like, I don't want to watch oh, it again. <laughs> so I didn't gain a lot from this experience, except I thought it had potential. But like, not even to be great, just to be like, okay. I actually think, I was thinking about it as you compared it to You Lucky Dog. In a way, like, the gross lawyer slime scene is kind of like one of the Kirk Cameron acting like a dog scenes. And I guess all the times the aliens are interacting with Mike. And we're like, those scenes went on too long, but they weren't as long as the Kirk Cameron dog scenes. Oh my gosh, those scenes were genuinely, I think, like, five minutes long. And then the ending where it was kind of like they're trying to do this theme by with the talking dog, and that was uncomfortable, was kind of like the uncomfortable courtroom at the end of You Lucky Dog. But that was the whole of You Lucky Dog. Well, this scene... I didn't find it uncomfortable. I thought it was bad. I mean, we were laughing pretty... Yeah. He said he looked to the stars. It was... You said you didn't find it uncomfortable. You said you found it uncomfortable while we were watching it. Yeah. I think just, like, Mike's face is really weird in that scene. He was doing a... He was trying it was to, I decision. think, wistful. But it reminded me of you pointing out the strange faces that people were making at the end of You Lucky Dog when they clearly told yeah. them to laugh. Like, clearly this was a directed, like, just act like you're so happy now, Mike. And that wasn't what that character had been the entire movie. <laughs> I'm like, what is this kid doing smiling? That's not as serious. But then again, but this movie also has these, like, vague elements of kind of the stuff we liked about Under Wraps. It's just, it was way less of... A lot less. It was a lot less of that good stuff and a lot more of this other stuff. Yeah. Like we mentioned it, like, when those kids said goodbye to the mummy at the end, I actually felt like, yeah, they had a connection to him, especially right. Malcolm, I think, was the main. Like, I'm like, they actually, but even the sidekicks, they had, like, some dynamic with him. Yes. And um, the kids had a good dynamic between them. Yeah, and so those, and there's a lot more just, like, the kids hanging out scenes. Right. So it felt, like, a lot more earned that this movie didn't have. Which is that, because I feel like I could have really liked, like, Caitlin, because I already liked her enough, but yeah. I feel like she had potential to be good, like, better. <laughs> But like, also imagine if Under Wraps hadn't at least done that scene at the end where the kids are together again and you see them walking off. It would have felt like a It would have felt unresolved. And like, this is how this movie ends. I don't know. It's like a... I'm giving it like a... Three? 3.5, I was thinking. Three? I'm I think I gave, three. I think I gave You Lucky Dog a 2.5. I gave You Lucky Dog a 2. And I was thinking about giving this a 2.5. Genuinely just because of that one scene with the slimeball lawyer. I can't oh, give it to you enough how bad it is. The throat is bad. The publicist look. All they the open are bad. on the worst, like one of the worst oh, scenes. <laughs> you know, I've forgotten about the whole beginning of this film. Everything that happens before Caitlin and the Halloween is bad. Uh, That's story, a and then he starts projecting on the it's alien, and he's like, he, the music changes, and he starts looking wistful. He's alleged story skills. There's a lot of bad in this movie. There's a lot of bad. But I'm gonna I'm gonna capture those good parts. I'm gonna focus in on those. I'm gonna give it a three point five. I'm giving it a three. That seems reasonable. Um, it was not good. I don't recommend this film. You should have given you should have given Brink a higher score. <laughs> yes. I said eight of ten on our last episode. Okay. Uh, is there any other things you wanna say about this movie? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it was bad. I don't know why they made the decisions they made. I agree.
Mary, before we end our discussion of can of worms, I have late-breaking research from our indispensable researcher. Ooh, what? So first off, you talked uh, quite a little bit about how much you hate the title of this movie. Yes, I certainly, I just thought that when you're like... It was named Can of Worms based on the book it was based upon. Good thing we had that even name either. Also, in the book, it is essentially revealed that Mike is an alien and his stories are repressed memories. No! I was right. Whenever I remember, I was like, are they setting up a sequel that this was like the whole thing and these were actually were his memories? And that's what the connection and the mind linking was? Oh. No. Like, at least that makes sense, right? That's why he was different. Ugh. Next. He Next. is Superman. Mike is Superman. But he sucks. But he has no powers and he's kind of just terrible and awkward. Maybe that's why they had him do that weird voice. Maybe this explains everything, Barry. Is this the His key parents straight up lied to him repeatedly about him being adopted. He straight up asked them, and they were like, no, you're not adopted. And the dad's like, if you were adopted, it'd be fine. And he's Maybe like, if? And the mom's like, the no, you weren't. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. <sighs> Maybe. But I gotta say, like that one makes everything make more sense, but two makes some of the things that happened in that movie way worse. Yeah. He's an alien, makes that film bad. Oh, I think it makes it... I don't know. It also Nephew, ex- anything makes that film bad. It would also explain why Caitlin was attracted to him. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, because it's unclear why, as a human, she would be attracted no. to him. Maybe he has some sort of alienishness. No, I don't think so. She just thought he was good at tech. Matthew, he's the, he's the thing that's always made the most sense, and now he's not making any sense at all. Right. You know, this doesn't make sense. Whether Mike is or isn't an alien in this franchise. In this movie, I think you could say either or. In the book, apparently an alien. Though I'll note it, this note says it's essentially revealed. Which is not saying it was revealed. I'm not reading this book. I'm never watching this movie again. But I just wanted <laughs> you to know that Mike is an alien, a plot point we talked about mere minutes ago, is actually still a slightly strange open question. <laughs> uh. What a, what a film. What a I movie. again asked ask why. Our only thought about this film was why and it bad. Yeah, I stand by that. But now, we will be looking at the further successes of the cast. So first up is Mike, who is played by Mike Shulman. We did it again. <laughs> Listen to, Oops, listen to a previous episode where we talk about whether actors, the confusion about actors who have the same name as their character. Gregory Keys. That's right. Uh, Mike was a New York theater kid who appeared on Broadway at the age of nine in the Sondheim musical Assassins and then spent two years in Les Mis and appeared in various other plays. Um, as a child actor, he had various roles, including Law and Order. Party 5, Jerry Foster film, Little Man Kate, and of course, most famously perhaps, Can of Worms. It's a decom, it's iconic, don't yeah. give me that look. <laughs> his prize work, I'm sure. If this isn't his prize work, it may be when he was nominated for a daytime Emmy for his performance in the HBO production, Someone Had to Be Benny, about a terminally ill teen fighting for the right to stop his treatment and die on his own terms. Yeah, that might be a little above this. Is it the 
Emmy-nominated performance or the decom that even Disney pretended didn't happen for a while? Who can say? You decide. Who can say? And in recent years, he's uh, been, he owns a theater production company, and they've invested in various plays that you may or may not have heard of, including a little show called Hamilton. Heard of it? No. Sounds like a flop. Do you remember when we talked about Hamilton just, like, exclusively for, like, eight months? Yeah. I know. I don't have a lot to say on that I'm just saying, it was a big thing. Maybe yeah. we should have done a Hamilton podcast. No. Probably not. We don't have the long-running, lifelong passion like we did for the Yeah, like, I'm like, I still like it, but, like, I'm over it. I don't, I don't want to talk about it for, like, an hour. Right, it would have been one of those podcasts that ended. Or the podcast where, like, the person clearly was over this thing, but they have to keep doing it because, like, they have fans. Yeah. But we will always love decoms because we always have. Yes. We love I'm not stopping until we get to, like, High School Musical and uh, Starstruck, which I, I really want you to watch Starstruck. Well, let's be clear. We're not stopping until we do all of these. Oh, yes. You're you way might... too annoying about that sort of stuff. You're like, oh, don't give me answers while we're playing, like, board games. You're like, oh, don't give me hints. Like, a little bitch. What's that to do with watching decoms? <laughs> You're just, like, a very, like, stubborn person. You want oh, to do that, everything that's, that's on your true. own, both board game-wise, emotionally, like, you, you just want to face everything by yourself. That's right. We're doing every decom, whether you listen or not, so you might as well listen. Caitlin was played by an actress called Erica Christensen. One year after this film, she was in the film called Traffic, about Michael Douglas's prep school daughter who does cocaine. Ooh, tough break for Caitlin. And ends up as a sex worker. Tough break for Caitlin. Yeah. She's also been in films such as Swim Fan and Flight Plan. And she has TV show credits in shows such as SVU, Parenthood, and 10 Days in the Valley. Do you think her SVU role went any better than her role in that traffic film? Probably not. I feel like you look at like almost any actor, there's like a 75% chance they were on SVU. If you were on a Law & Order in SVU... A CIS, an NCIS, if you weren't on one of those, and if you didn't die in one of those, mm-hmm. are you even an actor or actress? Honestly, like, your big role has to be your first role if you weren't on that one of those shows. <laughs> That's right. Uh, next up, Scott was played by Marcus Turner. Uh, prior to Can of Worms, he played young Fox Mulder on The X-Files, which is neat. Uh, he did voice word <laughs> on... <laughs> it was neato. Uh, he did voice work on the Double Dragon TV series. And had roles in TV movies and appeared in Airbud Golden Receiver. I didn't want to say the wrong one again. Yes, it's Golden Receiver, not Retriever, because it's a great movie. I've never seen it, but I love it. Which I'm an Airbuddy like stands it. only. I'm an Airbuddy's stand only, but I respect Airbud for what it brought me. Right, the originator of the ABC year. Yes, exactly. Uh, but Can of Worms appears to be his last IMDb credit, so we're not sure what he's doing now. Hopefully, he was not actually taken by the Thode. The little kid, his name was Jay, apparently. What? We did not know that. <laughs> I think they made it at one time in the film. I um, imagine they yelled it at him when he was getting trapped, captured by the Thode. But no other time. I was so distracted by the Thode-ness of the Thode, <laughs> I didn't really have time for other characters. That's games. fair, that's fair. He was played by an actor called Andrew Dakota. He was in TV show appearances such as... Days World, and he was on a hostile episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Woo woo! Yes, not one of the best episodes, but an episode. It's alright. It's, yeah. Mother really didn't like it. She thought it was creepy. It is kind of creepy. It's definitely scary. It's kind of like whatever, but the villain is scary. We write for anyone who guessed it on Buffy. 
And a lot of them have. I don't know if Mother Goose mentioned that because we both seen Buffy and liked it, so like it's like something to talk about. Or if just like bitches were on Buffy. Who's this mother you're speaking of? Sorry, I don't know if our researcher keeps putting it on it because <laughs> both of us have seen Buffy, or if just like bitches were on Buffy, and that's just how it be. After that, he was also on a show called Thanks, and he guested on the original Charm show, Cold Case, and and the 2000s reboot, 90210, which mm. I have seen. <laughs> I've seen some of that, too. I Does haven't it... seen that much, though. Even by my trashy television standards, it was not good, because I found it kind of boring, and I skipped ahead a few episodes, and some girl, who I did not remember from the other episodes, was pregnant, and I'm like, couldn't Fabray, you are not. That's true. I watched some of that 90210 reboot because one of the kids from The Wire was one of the kids on there. So I saw Which was that. his prouder work? Definitely The Wire. 100%. This is not a question. Like, Can of Wormsworth versus Emmy? Open question. 90210 reboot versus The Wire? Zero question. It's the reboot. Um, <laughs> also, this is a bit of a... Uh, We've left the firm ground of fact and are entering <laughs> into the flighty temptress that is speculation. Yeah. Whatever he just said. That was really good. I was done with her said it first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was a Peter Pan at Disneyland also called Andrew Decody, who got married to the person who played Wendy at Disneyland. Yes, they they have many Instagrams and it they do look if His name is also Andrew Decody. They have the same name and they look similar. So either this is like a weird, like sliding universe thing, or or the same it's person. the same guy. So we don't know that for sure, but it's like worth bringing up. And then finally, we have Adam Wiley, who we previously saw as Gilbert and Under Wraps, and this was the friend, aka Nick, as we discussed earlier. We barely knew his name, and I did a little research. It's Nick. Um, and as we noted uh, on the Under Wraps pod. Our first episode, which you definitely listen to if you somehow jumped in on this yeah. one. Go back. I apologize. Listen if you to all our episodes. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Yes, that's right. Question and comment. <laughs> Email us at thedpodpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more on that. Uh, and Adam has, Adam has recently been doing a lot of voice work. Yes. So the second best character in this movie, Barnabas, was played by, well, voiced by Malcolm McDowell who is most known for his role in the film Apocryph Orange, which is obviously a very famous and iconic film. He was the main character in that, Alex. Again, similar in stature and importance to Can of Worms. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like impact on film, it's really like hand in hand. <laughs> that just seems weird. <laughs> After his more prestigious work, he's gone on to more fun films, such as Star Trek Generations and the Halloween remake. He was he did guest spots on Monk, Franklin, Franklin and Bash, and South Park, and does voice work for video games such as Fallout Three, The Elder Scrolls, and Call of Duty. He was great in Fallout Three. Um, I'm not explicitly familiar with his Elder Scrolls work, though Elder Scrolls voice acting is wildly varying in quality. I'm gonna assume he was some of the good ones. <laughs> I have no video game takes, but like I trust you. But so when he was voicing Barnabas, I've definitely heard that voice before. Yeah. And then he also did the voice of Grandpa Fletcher on Phineas and Ferb. What a legend! One of the best decom shows. Not the worst. He was also one of the best de- one of the best Disney Channel shows and a great decom to come. 
Oh, that's great. The movie is a detox. Yes. 2D. Or it's like through this second dimension. What a classic. I'm very excited to talk about Phineas and Ferb on our podcast. So good. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> um, but yeah. Will we have so many thoughts or will we just be like, we love Phineas and Ferb. It's so good. I no, like when I they do history. the joke about the platypus. Yeah. See, when he has a hat, Dr. Doom's first knows he's Clary, the platypus. But when he just, he takes off the hat, he's just the platypus. Wow. The layers. It's a metaphor for life. Nobody cared who I was until I put on this hat. So, you've listened to our... Thoughts. Heartfelt love for Can of Worms. Thoughts and opinions. Our thoughts and opinions. Our takes. So next week, we're going to be covering 13th Year. Yes, something I have seen. Another great detail. I think this goes back into the iconic category. And a brief tangent into the film, a film that people don't really remember, because again, I think they buried it. <laughs> Fair enough. Which didn't seem totally unreasonable given the quality. But we're getting back on the train next week. The 13th, 13th year, we have streaming on Disney Plus, all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, worth recommending, I think. Yes. And speaking of the future of this podcast, we got a couple of lovely emails from listeners Julie and Thomas. And Thomas, in his email, had a question. He said, Will you be including Hannah Montana the movie in High School Musical 3, senior year, on the podcast? Because those came out in theaters. We own those films. So, here's the thing. We definitely want to cover those films in some manner. Yes. So... We've actually talked about this and stuff like that in, like, another Cinderella story, which also is sort of in a similar category. Yes. Yeah, so and we love. So we're gonna... We want to keep the weekly episodes as the decoms in chronological order. But we don't want to make people wait for those, like, any other films till the end of the thing. So we'll look at doing maybe some sort of bonus pod, some sort of situation like that, maybe once a month or something. Yeah. So you, the listeners, let us know if you want that, what films you would like us to do. Obviously, I think High School Musical 3 is going to be, like, the number one request for that. And yeah, because it's, like, it's, like, almost fun, but it just wasn't released in theaters. I know that because I went on a trip to that. We took a bus to the theater. It was... Sure. But we'll talk you about that. You sound very excited about this. It was a fun, it was a fun trip. It was I'm one of the best. I'm looking forward to this. Yes. This part. So obviously we want to talk about that, and like I have thoughts on it, and like another Cinderella story we have thoughts on, which I'd yes. love to discuss. All the Cinderella story movies are kind of in that decom adjacent, yeah. and there's various other films in this, and so we're looking at ways. Holes. Let us know. Holes is a classic one. Yeah. So yes, as a listener, let us know either at the Depod podcast on Twitter or at thedepodpodcast.gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening. But just thank you to the people who emailed us and with your sweet messages. We really, genuinely, really appreciate that. And it's, like, so cool. Yes, thank you very much. Also, of course, it's lovely if you tell a friend or uh, leave a review or a rating on iTunes because that apparently helps us get more downloads. Yes. So that'd be really great, but thank you for all our listeners for listening and stuff. Alright, this has been the Defod. I've been your host, Matthew. And I'm Mary. We out! We out! We out! <laughs>
Mic check. Mic check. Take three. Mic check. Mic, mic, bend you. you. Did you see my bag? Did you, you see, see my, my bag? bag? It's full of trophies and it's hella thick. Hella, hella thick. thick. What you think about that? What you think about that? That it's got my haters hella thick. Wise words.